many years ago when our kids were younger, um, I had this great idea of buying the kids a big swing set and building it ourselves. Mistake number, mistake number, mistake number one for sure. Uh, Kathleen was on a, uh, ladies retreats. So I said, this would be a great weekend to, to build the swing set. We got this huge swing set from BJ's. When it came shipped, there was a huge crane that had to drop it in our backyard. There was a million different parts. I had my dad help me. So I said, dad, got to watch the kids. Can you help me build the swing set? He goes, yeah, let's do it. The kids had the idea that we're going to do it in half an hour. So it took us two days, full days to build. I don't even know where the kids were for two days. We're so involved. So my dad said, well, let's do this first. Let's get out all everything, you know, the nuts, the bolts, the screws, the washers. Let's place everything out, all the parts, make sure that we get everything all set and organized. So we did, and we kept going, and the kids, you know, is it almost ready yet? No, it's not. Okay, we're working hard. So we get done, and we get it all built, and I see this huge bag that we missed of washers. And I said, Dad, isn't this nice? They gave us a whole extra bag of, of washers. Now, I said, I thought we, we put washers on there. And we looked. Guess what kind of washers they were? Men, ladies, lock washers. Now, if you know anything about building, those are kind of important from keep, keeping the bolts and nuts together so the swing completely doesn't collapse and somebody just injures themselves, right? We had to take the whole thing apart and do it over again. The one thing I know is that swing set will make it through the millennial reign of Christ. It, it is built to last. So, um, listen, <laughs> um, and some of you could have probably done it in a half an hour, but not, not, not me. Um, listen, I, I know, listen, when we talk about, about Father's Day, sometimes Father's Day isn't, isn't, isn't the best thing for some of you. And, and maybe it's not the greatest day for some of you, if we're honest with ourselves. Maybe you, maybe you didn't have the greatest upbringing or had the greatest example of, of a father. You might not have been given the materials you needed to succeed as a man, a husband, or a father. And you might be thinking, man, I wasn't, I wasn't given any lock washers. And um, my life fell apart because of the bad decisions that I've uh, made in my life. Um, maybe you weren't given the right, right tools or the right wisdom to lead your life or to lead your family or, or your, or, or your marriage. And, and because of that, you had to do a lot on your own and, um, you may not have had a great godly influence in your life. And because of that, there may be some bitterness or anger, uh, pent up in your life, um, that's manifested itself in some ugly ways or some bad decisions. Um, what I've noticed over pastoring for so many years is there's one common thread that I see with a lot of men, even young men and, and, and older men, and it's anger. There's a lot of pent-up bitterness and anger amongst men. There's actually a survey done uh, with counselors, and they said over 50% of those that they counseled, their patients, um, were dealing with issues of anger in their life. And what I want to do here today, guys, I'm not going to beat you up today. That's not, that's not my purpose. I know sometimes you get on Father's Day and this is our chance just to, to kind of shame the guys or, or beat up on the guys. That, that's not my point here today. What, what, I, what I do want to do today is allow you to realize that your past and maybe the things that happened to you or maybe you didn't give the right tools to lead your life or you made a lot of um, uh, wrong decisions – 
I want you to realize that that doesn't have to dictate your future and your future in Christ. And I believe God has great things in store for those who put their complete weight and trust in God. Uh, many of you n- know that I, I wasn't necessarily raised. We went to church, but we, we, we weren't. I'm going to say we weren't Christians. We weren't, we weren't totally following God. And it wasn't until I was in about junior high that my dad uh, made a complete surrender to Jesus Christ. And then my mom did, and it, it, it really did a wonders in their marriage. And I, I began to see for myself, um, you know, what, what a family or, or what a godly man looks like and, and what are those things. So I, I want you to know that it's never too late. It's never too late. And I know that we all deal with anger. And so the question is, how do I deal with my anger? And, and, and I want you to know it's never too late to change. And, and God wants to go to that place in your life where no one else can. If, if you listen, if you allow God to go to that place in your heart where you can say, God, I'm not going to hide this from you. Cause I know guys, it's hard. It's hard for us to open up. It's hard for us to share our feelings. <laughs> you know, we just don't want to go there and we pent all this stuff up. But the problem is it manifests itself in different ways in our lives that aren't good and not healthy for our lives. But God wants to go to that place in your heart where he can really deal with those issues so that he can change you. When we, when we look into the word of God, the Bible speaks of, of, of basically two types of anger. There's, there's the type of anger that is this righteous anger. And then we see this type of anger that is uh, that is defined as agitated or 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 boiling. It's it's this anger that's always it's not completely out. It's like a, a it's like a pilot light in your heart that yet you think you know hey I felt like I've conquered this or I feel better and all of a sudden something will just trigger you, something will trigger you, something will set you off, and this uncontrolled anger will come out. And, and so when we see anger, we see this righteous anger, and then we see this boiling or this agitated anger. What I want to deal with you today is dealing with this agitated or this pilot-like type of anger that all of a sudden comes out. And you're like, man, I don't want to live. Why, do, why am I so angry? Why am I dealing with this? Why do things trigger my life to, to set me off in this way? And guys, we, we struggle with this. And I want to get to the heart of that. Now, when when the Bible speaks of of righteous anger. It's talking about just people being upset. It's talking about um, being upset with people who take advantage of other people. I mean, Jesus' indignation came from those who were keeping others from worshiping God. Uh, Jesus came against those who would take advantage of others. So um, that's, that's righteous anger. Jesus controlled his emotions. He never allowed his emotions to control him. And I think the issue with our lives is we we allow our emotions. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have emotions. That doesn't mean some things um, should not upset us when we see that things are wrong. It's how we control those emotions. So I, I don't think we have a problem many times with righteous anger. It's this boiling or agitated anger that we have. And this type of anger, I believe, is the one that we most struggle with. Let me give you a couple passages of Scripture. here. First of all, Proverbs says, The fool vents their anger. But the wise quickly hold it back. So there's a recognition of like, okay, I know I'm getting upset. I know there's, there's something that's happening. I'm going to blow it. I'm going to blow my stack or whatever. And a wise person knows that, man, I've got to control this. 
but, but, but someone who is not wise, a fool vents that anger. They just let it go. There's no control. There's no self-control. And then James says, the brother of Jesus in his, in his, in his letter in the New Testament, he says, for the anger of man does not produce what? The righteousness of God. And so what God desires in your life is that you would produce righteousness. What anger does is, if we are not careful, is going to produce something that God does not desire for us in our lives. And what he desires for you is to deal with that anger and that root of that bitterness so that righteousness can be produced in your life. And so the more we are honest with ourselves, the more God can deal with our hearts. And it's easy to justify our, anger's, our anger by just blaming other people. You know, we may say things, if you did what you were told, if you wouldn't push my buttons, if people could just drive correctly, um, some of the, most of the time, right? And, and we're just so e- easily agitated, and then all of a sudden this anger blows up. He, here's what I believe is true. Anger stems from a deficiency in our lives. The reason why we're angry is there's some deficiency in our life. Let let me explain it this way. Listen to me closely here. There's something in our lives that wasn't met. The reason why we're angry or upset is because something in our lives wasn't met. We may have felt cheated. Maybe we felt like life was unfair to us. Maybe you felt like you weren't treated correctly. Maybe you felt like, hey, my parents showed partiality to my siblings. Um, Maybe you feel like I couldn't please my parents. Uh, Maybe you felt like, man, why didn't my marriage work out? And all of a sudden there's this deficiency and we look into our lives and it causes bitterness and anger to just dwell in there because we feel like we've been cheated in life. And so what happens is unresolved bitterness will manifest itself in anger. And so when we look at our lives and we understand why is there's this boiling and agitation in my life, there's some deficiency in our life that we feel like something didn't work out or I felt like I was cheated. And this is where our emotions can control us with fits of rage and uncontrolled outbursts. And this is where God says, I don't want that for you. This is not my desire for you. My desire is to bless your life. And I want you to live this life with my peace inside of you. This doesn't mean that the things or atrocities that may have happened to you or bad things that may have happened in your life, that doesn't make them right. But what God says is even though these things may have happened to you, they don't have to dictate your future. That they don't have to be chains to your past that keep you living for me and living a righteous life, even though these things may have happened to you. Even if you made wrong decisions or someone did something against you. See, the problem is an unwillingness to forgive will always hurt us at the end. If we are unwilling to forgive, it will block God's blessings and peace from flowing through your life. We might feel like by holding on and harboring bitterness and anger in our hearts towards someone else, we feel like I'm hurting them by doing this. But how many of us know the only person we're hurting is who? As ourselves. You guys are smart. You come up here and start preaching. You guys, you guys get it. We know that, don't we? But why do we hold on to it? Why do we refuse when we know that there's blessings on the other side of the door? It's because we've been hurt. And we've been maybe taken advantage of. And when we hold on to that, what's going to happen is anger. So if we're not careful, we can allow bitterness 
to grow and grow and grow as we grow older. And this is where our emotions can control us if we're not careful. So listen, we need to understand that it's only going to hurt us in the end. So how do we break the cycle of anger in our lives? How do we break this? Well, I want you to realize that God's desire is to replace our anger actually with his grace. God's desire is to replace our anger with his grace. I believe God has something far better for us. Instead of anger that will lead to destruction, we can find God's grace that will bring healing into our lives. And this can only happen by allowing God to deal with the root of our anger, which is sin and rebellion. And I want you to know that we can actually convert our anger into love when we are in Christ and actually return good for evil as crazy as that may sound. Because in our world, it's like, hey, I don't get mad. I just get even, right? I'm going to make that person pay. They did this to me. I'm going to make them pay by whatever way that I can do that. That's the way the world thinks. But, but Jesus comes and he's completely countercultural to what the world's philosophy would tell us to do in those situations and to deal with our anger. Jesus is speaking. There's a time that Jesus was speaking on the, on uh, the side of the, the sea of Galilee and he's got this huge crowd and they're following him and he's speaking to them and he's saying some radical things. And I cannot imagine what the people thought when Jesus said some of these words that he did, they probably thought he was off his rocker. Are, are you kidding me? These are the things you're going to say. And what Jesus was doing for his followers is he was showing them what the kingdom of God looks like. What he was doing is he's saying, if you want to be a follower of God, a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what it's going to look like in your heart. And it's going to set you free. And it's totally counterintuitive to what you're going to hear in the world. Listen to what Jesus said. This is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew records it for us in Matthew chapter 5. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, you have heard that it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. How many know when you've got a good neighbor, like State Farm, right? When you've got a good neighbor, how many know that's, that's easy to get along with them? How many know if you, got, you don't have a, a not-so-good neighbor, that can be not-so-good? And so what Jesus says, listen, he says, you've been said, listen, hey, you can love your neighbor and the people that you like, that's easy. And then it's just, just to hate your neighbor. There's your past. If they're wrong to you, you can be wrong to them. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Are you kidding me? That's what we're supposed to do is to pray for them and to love our enemies. Listen to what he says. He says, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Ouch. This is what it looks like to be in God's kingdom. He says, for he makes his son rise on evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? But not even the tax collectors do the same. He says, those that people consider sinners and far from God, don't even do this. Don't they do the same thing? They like good people. So that's not a distinguishing feature of someone who's a follower of Christ. If you like good people and hate those that you don't like your enemies, you're no different than people that live in the world. He says, and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same thing. So what Jesus is saying, there is this characteristic that distinguishes us from the common thought of the world. And the common thought of the world, if someone gets you, you get them back. 
And I believe this stems from bitterness and anger and some deficiency in our life that somebody stuck it to me. Someone did something wrong to me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get back and I'm going to live my life real careful. I'm not going to trust anybody. Right? I'm always going to think they're out for something. They're going to get me. And, and Jesus is saying, that's not the way you live your life. I want to deal with that deficiency in your heart by giving you my grace. And when we are filled with God's grace and realize that we don't deserve a thing that God has given us, that through the cross of Jesus Christ, every single one of us fell short of God's mercy and his grace because of our sin. We fought, we fell short of it. We fall short. We fell short of his perfection. But God says, listen, I sent you my son when you didn't deserve it. And none of us are owed this or earn it. But in my love, I demonstrated my love for you by sending you my son. And so when that grace fills my heart, it changes my life. It changes my perspective. It changes the way that I look at the world. It doesn't whitewash something that someone has done to me that is wrong but it's not a chain that holds me anymore to my past that keeps me from moving forward in God. Jesus says, I want to break that chain. Listen, the, the reason why some of you are missing out on God's blessing is because you're still chained to your past. You're still chained to those emotions of bitterness and hatred that's keeping you a prisoner and a slave to your past. And Jesus wants to set you free from that. So where's the good news in all this? Well, the good news in all this is the resentment and anger you have from the past doesn't have to define your future. That's the good news. Everybody say amen. Because that, that, that's good news right there. This doesn't have to define you that in Christ Jesus, you're literally a new creation. He gives us a new heart. And what I want to do is I want to give you an example of a man that we see in the word of God that struggles just like you and I do that got angry just like you and I do. But how he grew in his relationship with the Lord and he didn't sour his spirit at the end of his life. And men, the one thing that I pray for you, that I pray for my life too, is that we finish well. That we finish well. And I think in the struggle that we have in this world, there's so many things that can sidetrack us from the calling of God. And the one thing that we're going to see in this man of God that we read in the word of God is he didn't get sidetracked with bitterness and anger that could have easily sidetracked him from the call of God that God placed in his life. How many know there's always going to be something that's going to want to sidetrack you? There's temptation all around us, but that should never sidetrack us from the call that God has placed on our lives. And that's my prayer for you guys is that you would finish strong in the calling that God has placed on your life. No matter what your past look like, no matter what hurts or pains your past, that doesn't have to detract you from the calling that God now places on your life in Christ Jesus. This guy's name is Moses. And Moses, if you remember, um, was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness out of Egyptian bondage of over 400 years. And so he's got all these people and they go into a desert and the desert was a desert. There's nothing. There's no bathrooms. There's no Starbucks. There's no Moe's, nothing, no fish tacos. There's nothing out there. Just absolutely 
nothing. It was desert. And so they had to completely rely on God for water and food. And so Moses is leading all these people. And for 40 years, they were just nothing but a blessing to Moses, nothing but an encouragement to Moses, loving on Moses, helping him take every step of the way, interceding, fasting for Moses, telling Moses how much they loved him and what a great guy he was. You're thinking, Pastor, what Bible are you reading, right? How I many you know it was not fun? There was constant complaining. You know, they would tell Moses, hey, we want to go back to Egypt where they're enslaved to. Um, they're saying, where's the water? Where's the food? We want this. We want meat. We want... And God continually supplied their needs, but their hearts would always become hardened. And Moses had to lead this group of people, and he just he got frustrated. He, he got frustrated quite, quite a bit. <laughs> And, but what I want to show you is there's a picture of Moses at the end of his life. And you would think um, there'd be a lot of bitterness in Moses's heart at the end of his life. So Moses, he, he gets them all the way up to where they're going to enter into the promised land where God promised the Israelites that he was going to build that nation in this promised land in Canaan. And then from there, we'd eventually see the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, come through that whole lineage. And so God has a plan for Israel. But the problem is they complained. They were bitter. Moses got irritated with them, and he was angry. And it could have easily diverted them from the plan that God ultimately had for them. I want you to see something that happens here. They're, they're at the end of their 40-year journey, and once again, there's no water. Uh, numbers record this for us, and you've got Aaron and Moses, and they summon the people to get together because they're complaining because there's no water again. And so listen to what he says in Numbers 20. He, does, he has such a nice greeting for his people, for the people of Israel. What does he call them? He says, listen, you rebels, he shouted, must we bring you water from this rock? Now, what God told me, he says, Moses, speak to the rock, and I will cause water to come from it, and you will quench everyone's thirst, and you will feed all the livestock. Moses is irritated with the people, so what does he do? Then Moses raised his hand, and what did he do? He struck the rock twice with the staff. Now, he was supposed to speak to the rock, but in his anger, he struck the rock. Water still gushed out, so the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Now, in Moses' anger, he didn't listen to the Lord. He was supposed to speak to the rock, not strike it, and in a way, he was given credit for the miracle and not God. And because of this, Moses was disciplined, and he could not enter the promised land, but he could only see it from a distance. What he does is he hands over the leadership to Joshua that would continue to lead God's people into uh, the promised land that God promised for them. Now, this is what I want you to see. This is the end of their 40-year journey. Moses is old by this time. He's getting ready to die. Do you think Moses could have held on to a lot of bitterness? Now, he's frustrated. It wasn't easy for him. And not only with God, but with God's people. But I want you to understand that we never hear Moses complaining against God when God disciplined him. And this is what is so interesting at the end of Moses' life. 
you have this rock incident. Moses is angry. Then he gathers all the people together because Moses is getting ready to die. And so what Moses does is he gets all the people together and he just lays out all his grievances. He just says, you guys have been nothing but a pain to me. You're a bunch of brats. You're a bunch of complainers. Man, I just can't wait to die and be with God because you guys are driving me nuts, right? No, that's not, if you read your Bible, that's not what Moses does. What Moses does is he gets all the people together and he does something incredible. Instead, at the end of Moses's life, he spoke to God's people blessings, not curses. Here's the, here's the hardest thing that I see as a pastor is when I'm with someone at the end of their life and they're still holding on to curses for their family and they're still holding on to bitterness and they've not resolved that forgiveness in their heart. I've been with some people that at the end of their life, they're like, man, pastor, I got to make these things right. And they get it. And I've seen it. It's been a miracle. It's wonderful to see um, reconciliation. I, I have never, ever at the end of someone's life, someone come to me and say, Pastor, can you just bring me my bowling trophies? I just got to touch them one more time. Just got to see my bowling trophy one more time. Or, Pastor, can you just bring me my checkbook? Because I just want to hold on to my checkbook just one more time, right? They don't do that. It's people. It's people. Here's the incredible thing. With all the shortcomings of Moses, I want you to see how God sees Moses' life. Because God could have looked at Moses too and said, Moses, you didn't do the greatest job here. You got angry, you got frustrated. But what's interesting is God sees in Moses what he sees in every single one of us and what he desires for each and every one of you. All Moses left was a blessing for the children of God. Not only for the children of God, but also for Joshua, the next leader, where Moses actually lays his hands on Joshua and blesses his leadership to continue to do the work of God. Listen to me. Let's just look up here for just a second because this is the best thing you're going to hear all day. Right here, ready? Here's what we miss. Bitterness will blind you to God's ultimate vision in your life. It is so easy to allow my hurt and my pain to blind me from the ultimate blessing that God desires to bring to me. Yes. Were the children of Israel a pain? Yes. Were they hard to lead? Yes. But what Moses didn't do was allow the bitterness and the anger to stop him from seeing God's ultimate plan in their life. Listen, your kids aren't perfect. No one said your life was going to be perfect. No one told you you're never going to have trials in your life. Don't let it distract you from God still using your life as a blessing. Because it's so much easier for me to turn to the curses and to turn to the bitterness and to allow that to drive my life where I miss out on the, on the blessings of God. God never told us that this world would be easy. But he did tell us one thing. I will see you through and I will never leave you or forsake you. And I'm going to work through all those circumstances, all your messiness, all the stinkiness in your life, all the dysfunction in your life, all your bad decisions in your life. I can still work through that 
and cause you to be a product of my grace and my glory and use you for my purposes. When you don't see it that way, you will get lost in your anger and your bitterness and it will derail you from the ultimate call that God has in your life. Man, that was good preaching right there. Didn't do that for the nine o'clock. That was special for you guys right there. Okay. Are you hearing me people? Are you with me there? So listen, here's what, here's what Moses does. He gets to the end of his life, so he calls out blessings. In, in Deuteronomy, it's recorded for us in Deuteronomy 31. Listen, you can read the whole thing because he, he blesses all the tribes individually, but we don't have time to do it. But it, listen to where it starts. I love verse 1. It says, this is the blessing that Moses, what's he called? The man of God. Should he have been called the man of God with all the things he did and how he got irritated and angry? Absolutely not. But God saw something in Moses and God sees something in each and every one of us that he wants to call us a man of God. Don't allow the anger because what Moses did is he didn't allow the anger and the bitterness and the discipline of God to thwart what God wanted to do in Israel. God gave to the people of Israel before his death. God used him greatly. Pastor Brandon, our family pastor, did a devotion in one of our um, staff meetings. It was a really great devotional by a missionary called Rick Brogdon. And he, Rick gives a really interesting uh, view of Moses towards the end of his life. And, and I, li- I want you to listen to what Rick wrote in, in a devotional book that, that he has. And I love what he sees in Moses. He says this, Moses got stronger in spirit even as his physical life came to an end. Jesus wants us to manifest his life in us by the way we die, by the way we carry our burdens. Like Moses, Jesus wants us to get sweeter and ever-sweetened spirit. We have crosses, sickness, trials, and burdens, and we always carry them as a living display of the risen life of Jesus in our mortal bodies. Even as we are poured out and poured down, the outward flesh perishes, perishes while the inward spirit is renewed daily and soars. Listen, I don't want to be the guy late in my life sitting on my front lawn in my lawn chair, yelling at the kids that step on my lawn. I don't, I just don't want to be that. I, isn't it something the older we get, we just get cranky. Don't we get a little more cranky? And we're always saying, it was so much better in the olden days, right? I walked to school uphill in, in a snowstorm in June. You kids got it so easy nowadays, right? It's just everything was, you know, and we just get cranky and that ball comes into my yard. I'm going to keep it and show you kids. That's what's for, right? We just, and we just do it. Listen, I'm 53 and I, I hear myself saying, and I'm like, man, Barton, stop. You get cranky. Here's the thing about Moses that I love that Rick brings out. He didn't allow what happened in the wilderness to poison his spirit and to blind him from God's ultimate purpose of blessing Israel and using her for his glory and his purposes. That's exactly where God wants you to be. And I think if we're not careful, the longer we live, the more life beats us up. The longer we live, the more hurts and scars that we have. And if we're not careful, 
we're not careful, we don't deal with those hurts and those pains, they can, they can completely debilitate us to God's calling in our lives. God says, don't allow those things to debilitate you. Use them to show me that I want to use you. You are my man of God. Yes, you made some mistakes. Yes, you got irritated. Yes, you got angry at this, at, at this time. But realize, see beyond that. Don't allow those things to dictate your future. Don't allow them to hold you back. Don't allow them from keeping you from running the race that I called you. And don't allow them to sour your spirit. I was, um, last month, um, we were... Uh, at a uh, conference for our local network of churches in in New York and Syracuse, and uh, about eight hundred six seven eight hundred pastors there and uh, they had a, a service ordination service for new pastors that were just being newly ordained and then they had a recognition for those that were twenty five years ordained and then they had uh, two pastors that were ordained for fifty years so I was in the twenty five year I got to stand up and say yeah i 'm old i 'm 25 years of ordination. They recognized me. I know it's hard to believe I'm 35, but you know, they ordained people really young in our denomination. Um, but what was great about this was the two um, older pastors that were ordained, ordained for 50 years and they stood up and they shared. And it was fantastic. Here's the thing I remembered about both of them. Not one of them shared the bitterness of their past. They could have easily said, listen, because they're speaking pastor, pastor. They say, yeah, pastoring's hard. It's hard leading people, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they could have said, you know, they could have just had a lot of bitterness and shared things. Now, either one of them didn't do that. What they shared was, they go, it was a, it's a privilege. This is what they spoke to every pastor, which I just listened to. They said, I want all of you to remember, as you pastors remember, never forget that it's a privilege to serve. It's been our honor to serve our churches and people for 50 years. They had f- hilarious stories. I love to, I would have just loved to hear them preach the whole time. They were great. But they said, never take for granted the calling that God has placed on your life. It's always a privilege to serve and to serve people. Never forget that. There was no bitterness. You could tell that their spirits were sweetened as their years of service. And I, I, I know if you sat them down, they, would have, they could have a lot of stories of things that they've done and things that people have done against them. But they didn't lose sight of the calling that God placed in their heart. They didn't grow old and become bitter towards the ministry. God sweetened them to show them that it's all about your calling that I've placed on you. It's all about changed lives. And it's a blessing to be part of what God is doing in this world. Listen, guys, I believe with all my heart that what keeps us from moving forward as a church in, in the way God wants us to is our past. It's not the future because in Christ Jesus, our future is bright, but I think what keeps us holds us back from the potential that God has for each and every one of us is the bitterness that we hold on to in our past and the anger. And God doesn't want that to, to, to hinder the church from all that it can be. And, and I believe the litmus test in the temperature of a strong church is the temperature and the passion of the men in that church. And that's why we're passionate as a church and as leaders in the church to do all we can to allow men to grow in their relationship with Christ, to be the fathers that he called you to be, to be the men of God that he's called you to be. That's our heartbeat for you. 
for some of you here, maybe you've never received that blessing. Maybe you never had a father that said, I'm proud of you or that I love you. But I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, you receive the father's blessing. That God desires for you what this world can never give you. And all of us chase these endless pursuits that can end up in dead-end alleys. And God desires to give to you a blessing today. And to tell you, I want to bless your life. I want my blessing to flow into your life as you bless your wives, as you bless your kids, as you pray over your families. I want to break the chain that has held you back. Jesus Christ breaks that chain of your past. I love that that we are told in Scripture the pleasure that God the Father had over his Son. I love these passages. Listen to God's voice here in Matthew 3 during Jesus' baptism with John the Baptist. It says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my... This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. During the Mount of Transfiguration, God spoke again. It says a bright cloud in Matthew 17. A, A bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from that cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. I want you to hear this, men. God says to you, You are my son who brings me great joy. You need to hear that. You need to walk in that blessing today and know that God blesses you because he wants to use you to fulfill the calling that he has in your life. I want you to finish well. And some of you here today, you just need to know of the Father's blessings and to give up that past and that bitterness and that anger that's been holding you back. And what, what a wonderful exchange it is when God fills us with his grace and his love instead of bitterness and anger. He fills us with blessings, not curses. That's how he wants you to live your life. So this, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to pray for you, you men today. We're going to, we're going to close in song. Um, and I know, I know some of you men, um, have just never had that blessing in your life. I just want you to know how much the father wants to bless you today. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to invite you men to come forward today and just stand here and I'm going to individually just try to pray over all of you real quick. And uh, I'm going to ask my dad to come too. Listen, get rid of that anger, bitterness, the deficiency in your life, and just be open to God's blessing. I know this is tough for you to make this this choice, but I guarantee when you take that step of faith towards Christ, he blesses your life. That doesn't mean life's going to be perfect, but he breaks the chain that's holding you back.
from allowing all the things that God desires to do in your life. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And um, I'm going to ask you, men, if you feel led, I want you to come at this time. And I just want you to stand at the front here. Dad, I want to have you over on my, this side, Dad, and we're going to try to meet in the middle. I'm just going to have my dad lay his hands on you. I'm going to try to pray for the guys on this side, too. And we're going to try. Pastor Brandon's here, too. I'll have Pastor Brandon pray for you guys, too. Appreciate you guys coming forward. Yeah, man, this looks good. And this look good? I like this. This looks good. Proud of you, man. And we're just going to pray in... Um, the, Listen to me, guys. There was something about a father laying his hand on a son to give that blessing. And it's just a symbolic act of God laying his hand on you to bless your life so that you can now move forward with that blessing of God. So now you can be a conduit of God's blessing. And so, you know, practically like, well, Pastor, Pastor Ron, how does this look? How does the Just start blessing people. Just tell your kids you love them. Listen, they're not perfect. Amen? None of us are. But just bless them. Pray for them. Tell them you love them. Bless your wives. Bless your family. If you've got to make relationships correct, give grace and find forgiveness there in your heart so that it doesn't keep God's blessing from flowing through your heart and your life. And listen, we want to help you as a church just to take those steps forward and encourage you to get plugged into a you know, small group so they can walk and run this race together. Amen. That we're not alone, that we can do this together. So amen. Would you bow your hearts? Would you pray with me, uh, congregation? And as we just pray for these men today, and as my dad and Pastor Ray and myself just go through the crowd here, we're just going to lay hands on each and every man and and pray for them. Uh, We'll do it quickly. I know time's running up. We'll do it quickly. So would you bow your hearts with me? Father God, I just thank you for all these men, God. And Lord, I just... As, as we just lay hands on them. Lord, we pray for your blessing on their lives. Lord, you know what they're going through. Lord, you know what all their struggles are. Lord, you know uh, what they've battled with in their life. And I just thank you, Lord, that you are for us and not against us, Lord, that God, you're going to do a great work in these men. Lord, I pray as, as we just come before you now that you would just start something within within these men, Lord that there would be a change, that there'd be a change from anger to grace, God, that there'd be a change from bitterness to to grace, Lord. And I thank you for them just making this step to come forward, God. So I just thank you for them, Lord. And I pray that, God, you would just start something great even within our church, Lord. So we thank you for each and every one of these men, Lord. I'm grateful for them. Lord, there's so many great leaders within our church, and I thank you for them, Lord. But I pray that you would start this great work within each and one, each and every one of these men, Lord. I just thank you for them, God. We thank you for your blessings, God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these men, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for each one of these men, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, use them mightily, God. I thank you for them. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for the families. 
I thank you for their wives, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're going to do a great work in them, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God, I pray for them. Help them to lead, Lord. Give them wisdom, God. Give them wisdom when they're lacking wisdom. So we just thank you for them, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for their lives. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for what you're going to do in their lives. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that he that began a good work is going to be faithful to complete it. And I pray as these men live their daily lives, as they go from this moment forward, that it wouldn't be something that would just happen here at the front of the church, but, Lord, they would live it out in their daily lives, that we're not walking this walk alone, that we have other brothers that we can walk with and that we can share our struggles with and that we can grow together in you, Lord. So I thank you for this time. I thank you for these men taking this bold step now. And we just ask these things. I pray a blessing over them, families, their marriages, their children, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would walk in that blessing, Lord. So thank you, God, for your love for us. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Guys, let me hear a big amen. I like, like, that was, guys, that was terrible. That was terrible. That was bad. One, two, three. Amen. That was good. That was good. Let's get.